This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. Angela Merkel won re-election as Chancellor of Germany, but her party, the Christian Democratic Union, and its sister party, the Christian Socialist Union, will have its lowest representation in German Parliament since 1949. And the concern in Germany is that the far right is gaining ground on a national level. The alternative for Germany, the AFD, finished with 12.6% of the vote and will enter Parliament for the first time campaigning on its anti-immigrant, anti-Euro platform. To discuss the Results of the election. We are joined here in studio by Joao Gomes, who's a professor of finance here at the Wharton School, and also joining us on the phone, Saika Chowdhury, who's executive director of the Mac Institute for Innovation Management, and he is also an adjunct associate professor of management here at the Wharton School. Joao, great to see you. Thanks for Thank coming you, back in. Good morning. Thank you. Saika, great to have you with us on the phone. Thank you. Great to be back. Uh, uh, Joao, I'll start with you. Uh, your reaction to the results? Um, so, Good thing we're done with the big three elections in Europe. Thank God. <laughs> it was a tough year. <laughs> right. Um, sort of not so good is the fact that I, I th- you can interpret the French election in different ways, but I think neither government, uh, neither one of these leaders comes up with a very strong mandate. Uh, that's definitely true today uh, as we look forward. It's just not obvious what the new government of Germany is going to be able to accomplish the next four years. not even clear it's going to last four years. Uh, it's not It's not clear at all how they will relate uh, with with uh, with uh, Emmanuel Macron's plan to reform the EU, what, what can be accomplished there. There's a lot of uncertainty, unfortunately, even after this election. So in some sense, the result is disappointing. Um, there's also the issue of the, the IFTS result, uh, which I think will obviously catch a lot of headlines in the short term. There's not a whole lot they can do immediately. Um, it's a party that that's it's not really a united party. You just saw this today when one of the leaders just literally quit and decided I'm yep. going to I'm going to be an independent. It's not really there's not a lot of common ground across those those uh, almost 70 members of parliament. So we'll have to see. But and, and I think a lot of it, a lot of their success in the future depends really on on the capability of Angela Merkel to to be an effective leader in the next four years, which I think is very much um, a question mark given the the partners that she's likely to have. Psychic. Yes, I agree with you all very much. Um, a bit disappointing, but uh, the good news is that the momentum carries forth. I think after the Brexit uh, situation last year, um, you know, uh, seeing what happened in Holland this year and France and, and Germany, to some extent the uh, right forces have been uh, um, kept uh, at bay. Uh, the other, I just complementarily want to point out a couple of things. Um, one sort of, uh, I think, piece of good news is also that while the well Angela Merkel's party, the CDU, has uh, lost a lot of ground and the SPD, the Social Democrats, have lost ground too, um, it's not only the IFD, the right-wing party, which has gained, but the FDP as well. And the uh, FDP is, uh, you know, socially liberal, but very much pro-business. And so mm-hmm. that will be a force which will um, be there. But as well says, the problem is that the only coalition that will uh, or seems to be uh, feasible at the moment is the so-called Jamaica coalition, named after the party colors, which representing the same colors as the Jamaican flag, with the CDU, CSU, coupled with the uh, FDP, but also the Green Party. And the Green Party, in many ways, is seen as a detriment to um, pro-business. I agree also with the assessment of the AFD. I think the, the AFD is kind of a uh, a party which is in itself in turmoil, and, mm-hmm. and the leadership um, really is, is not in sync with each other. So, yes, while that movement has gained ground, to some extent the party itself is not as stable as we think. So 
yes, there are those sentiments. I think most importantly for me, despite all the disappointments by the mean parties, is that uh, Angela Merkel is back. And uh, that's very, very important to at least um, try and uh, uh, create the right uh, footing for Germany and also for the EU together with the other partners, even if the, uh, they're weakened, essentially. I find it interesting when you look at politics in Europe, and we saw this a little bit with France, and we're seeing it now with Germany, is that there are so, and this is what probably catches a lot of Americans off guard, is that there are so many different parties that are involved in this. I mean, you know, a lot of people would say, okay, we've got Democratic and Republican, and even that's not a good thing here in the United yeah. States at times. But yeah. in this case with Germany, you have, what, 12 different parties or so that were receiving votes yeah. in this election. And we were talking before we went on the air, Joao, about trying to get some sort of cohesion right. in, that, in that group. That's very very, very hard to do. It is very hard. And um, so th there's been a pulverization of, of European or politics and most European, uh, large European countries, even the smaller ones. I think, but I think the right analogy for Americans is this is why we have primaries. Go back to the Republican primary yeah, <laughs> and just think true. about the, uh, yeah. the way. And, and I think the French election worked very much in that way. There's a huge number of parties. But then at the end, only the top two get to, to go to the second round and they get to, to decide on who's going to be president. And that's similar. And that produces a sort of outwardly decisive outcome that we're used to in the U.S. Yeah, Germany is just not like that. And and uh, but but it, and it went from being a, a country where reliably there was only three three parties in parliament, the the sort of the Christian coalition on the right, the, the the Christian Democrat coalition on the right, the Social Democrats on the left, and the liberal sort of in the middle. We have six parties now, and and that just is impossible to form a government. And I think uh, we've seen the Social Democrats clearly telling Angela Merkel we're not. We're not um, ready to be part of a coalition for next year. We're going to be in opposition. And that kind of sets the stage. Now, there's only one coalition possible, this Jamaica coalition, which has just never happened at the federal level. It's almost impossible to imagine the, the Greens uh, being part of a coalition with yeah. a, with a, with a social with the Christian Democrats. So the last time the Greens were in government was with the SPD, and, and they got the foreign ministry, which is an interesting question mark for German foreign policy going forward. What will the Greens want out of this? The Liberals said they wanted the finance ministry, which basically speaks to they want to be engaged in Europe and the negotiations with Macron about how the European Union is going to work and whether it's going to be a sort of a finance minister for Europe and so on. The Greens seem to care a lot more about relationships with, with, with NATO, with the rest of the world, and, and whether they get the foreign ministry or not is, I think, the big thing to watch for um, with respect to the U.S. in the next uh, months or so. Psychic? Undoubtedly, the, uh, I think the coalition dynamics are going to be complex. What's interesting is that Germany, in theory, has had a mechanism to handle this with this 5% uh, hurdle that you have to reach in order to be represented in, in Parliament, and those yep. that don't reach it, they, uh, they fall out and it gets redistributed. But that's not enough, because what we can see is there are a whole bunch of them between the 5 and 10% mark, essentially, or now the 15% mark and that creates the instability. I think that um, Merkel is very seasoned um, right now, and um, she will be able to put something together, but the sustainability of it and the momentum is really the question. At a time when Europe needed to come back strong, I think everybody was hoping um, it would be that way. Um, you know, one indicator earlier, um, which is why I think a lot of the surprise now came, was the elections in the state of North Rhine-Westphalia, um, which is Germany's largest state and um, also economically the largest GDP driver. Dusseldorf is the capital. Um, you know, and that took place a few months ago, and um, they did pretty well and managed to get back in power. So people thought that that was a good indicator 
that they would do well at the national level, but um, the national level turned out slightly different. You're listening to Knowledge of Wharton on Sirius XM 111, business radio powered by the Wharton School. Thanks for spending part of your day with us here in studio with uh, Joao Gomez, professor of finance here at the Wharton School at the University of Pennsylvania, and on the phone with Saika Chowdhury, who is uh, adjunct associate professor of management here at Wharton, talking about the elections over the weekend in Germany. Your comments welcome again at 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866. Or if you'd like, send us a comment via Twitter, either at BizRadio111 or my Twitter account, which is at DanLoney21. I guess the other question from the economic perspective is, Germany is seen as a a pretty solid economy right Mm -hmm. now. How do you think having Merkel back running Germany and being one of the leaders of the Mm -hmm. EU affects the European Union as a whole, Joao? I think that's that's certainly the question the Europeans are asking themselves right now. Um, I think having Angela Merkel back is good. Uh, having a divided government and, and where she's not clear that she has a mandate um, for and, and it's a very unstable coalition to begin with, I think, is, is, a, is just something's going to take time to figure out how is that going to work out. I think a lot depends on what the liberals are willing to give and take with respect to uh, um, you know their Euroscepticism. I, I think one of the stories that was not exactly told all that well was the, the liberals did change a little bit in this election. They became a little bit more Euroskeptical. They became a little bit less liberal. They sort of took away some votes maybe from the AFD and on the right. And, and and I don't know how much of that is strategic positioning prior to an election, how much of it is actually sort of a long-term commitment to becoming a little less pro-European. Uh, so we'll have to find out. Um, I think for Europe, it means um, a little bit of uncertainty. It certainly puts a dent on Macron's ambitious reform plan. There's no doubt. Um, but there's also a good point made out of Germany, which is it's just not obvious that Europe needs these kinds of reforms right now. I mean, things are doing, uh, we're doing really well. Every country in Europe has grown. Every country in Europe has reduced unemployment. Uh, it's just not obvious that we have the same need, the same urgency for reform as we did two or three years ago. Um, Saiga? So. Yes, I, um, I also agree. And I want to underscore one point and draw out even further, which is that both the FDP and the CDU tried to usurp the agenda of the AFD a little bit, learning from the lessons of Brexit and then what happened here in the States, um, by taking a few of the uh, AFD's um, policies, whether it's around immigration or around the Euro skepticism and so forth, and, and bringing that into, a, into the fold. Um, it doesn't seem like it had that much of an effect. I think the question now becomes how will they politically react? Will they reinforce that or go back a bit more to their original positions? Um, but, um, you know, the first important part is that they need to work out a coalition agreement now, and uh, the key positions in terms of ministers need to be filled, right. and the policy outlines need to come, and that's really what the next uh, weeks, and sometimes it takes a little longer than that, mm-hmm. are going to be uh, very critical about. I do believe that uh, Merkel will push because for her this is the fourth term and and um you know so she's uh, not likely to do anything further after this so uh, um it's uh, not possible for her so basically i think that she will do her best to uh, she seems to believe in the eu mm-hmm. um and not in populism as much and uh, i'm hoping that will uh, carry some weight I guess the question also is, when you're talking about either a chancellor or a president, that last term in office a lot of times is seen as, as a time where they can build their legacy. Mm-hmm. And, right. and what they do in that time is very interesting. Is you expect that to be part of, uh, Joao, what you expect to see out of Merkel over the next couple of years? 
Um, it's an interesting question. I, I think you need to think a little bit about Angela Merkel's personality. I, I just don't think she is that kind of a person. Uh, I think she's she's just not as driven by ego uh, as you might have as you might see in other leaders. Um, so I, I don't think that's uh, going to be a primary goal of hers. I I, th I think that I mean, but that's a really good question. What what does she want to accomplish in this last term? I think one of the things you saw leading up to this election, especially last year, not so much this year, was she was a little bit tired of of she was a little bit dismayed with the criticism of of her sort of pro-immigration policies, and, and, and she was a little bit uninspired this time around. Mm -hmm. um, we'll see what drives her in this fourth term and, and whether she just gets tired of the job and she says, you know, I, I've just, I'm just done. Uh, I don't know. But, but I think the, the one goal that she laid out to the last, uh, in, the, in this last term was, you know, she, I, she became acutely aware of the aging of Germany and the need for renewal in Germany and the need for some sort of uh, demographic uh, transformation, which which is what she tied to, to immigration and labor market reforms. I don't know how much she will feel like she still has the energy and the power to do that. Um, I think that will be her goal. I don't, just don't think she has European ambitions um, or, European, or sort of ambitions to make a big European reform. Um, if she does, I think she'll be very frustrated. So I get yeah, I think what's what's characterized uh, Merkel from, uh, I think what we've observed over the last years is that She's a pragmatist, um, mm -hmm. and um, the so from that point of view, she won't start with unrealistic ambitions to get things. Uh, just because she may have something on her plate that she wanted to do, um, she's not going to try and force that because uh, she does. Uh, she one of the reasons for her success has been that she's been able to adjust to what the needs were. In fact, each of the elections that happened had different needs, and um, from her party and from her person. And uh, she's adjusted that pretty well so uh, so far. I think that she may have some fatigue by now, but she's a pragmatist, so she'll do the things that she needs to do. She's been quite clever in maneuvering the political side in the past, mm -hmm. um, including people in her own party who uh, were often seen as potential contenders, managing to handle them um, effectively. So I'm hoping she does a little bit of that this time around. but. I agree. If she doesn't see that big reforms at the EU level are possible, she's not going to push for it. Um, but I think that she will do the things that she believes need to be done and sort of move them forward, uh, albeit perhaps in a smaller way. Saikid, it's interesting because uh, I saw a, a map over the weekend that showed that Merkel was one of only, I think, four presidents, chancellors, leaders of their countries right now in Europe uh, that have been there for more than a decade. Mm. And, and it's an interesting shift in terms of government where we're seeing so many new leaders right now of, of countries across Europe at this point. Absolutely. And um, that staying power is really what I was alluding to, that something that she's had. Um, the good thing about that is, like we were discussing earlier, is that it leads to a lot of stability. Mm -hmm. um, the downside is that of course, you know, you might get weary at some point, but people look to some sort of stability. I think it's not inconceivable, as I think Joe was hinting at as well, that there might be some sort of succession or transition that happens uh, mm -hmm. as part of this, um, and um, as part of this term, and that wouldn't necessarily, and that would be slightly something different, because America so far has always wanted to ensure that her own uh, mm -hmm. chancellorship also continues. Um, but we'll see all those elements. It's good for me to have some continuity at least rather than something completely different, because uh, to me that augurs well for at least trying to get some of the things done that we need. So then if there is kind of a succession plan, who is potentially that person? I, I mean, is there somebody that w we are seeing on the fringes uh -huh. already of Merkel's government that could be ready to be that next person to stand in? 
Well, my forecast, it's a guess, but it's sort of an educated guess, is uh, um, this is a, a majority that just doesn't work for very long. It, might, it doesn't work for four years. At some point, the upper house will, will be lost, and um, maybe the Greens will bail out on this, and we'll have an early election, um, at which point the SPD will win the election, and we'll switch to. And I think that's exactly what, they, what they've decided and concluded. Um, they want to be outside. They want to be in the opposition. They don't want to be part of a government where they keep losing voting um, percentage share. And, and I, I, that's my forecast um, within three years, maybe at the end, maybe we'll run until the end of four years. But a, a three-party coalition with such different interests, very hard to see going forward. Saika? Yeah, I think that, you know, uh, to your question directly in terms of succession, internally, uh, not quite clear, because Merkel's built up a nice position. There are a lot of aspirants, but... Um, you know, on the other side, there are people like Martin Schulz, you know, of the SPD, who have uh, ambitions and and like Joao was saying, you know, they're they're gambling a bit at this moment um, on, especially what the Greens will do uh, as part of this coalition um, uh, and whether it will stay. So I think it will be there. There, I, you know, it's very hard to predict at this moment. Uh, I think that uh, the um, it'll become evident over the next months, though. Um, what what shape this whole thing takes and how sustainable it is and um, if early elections will happen because the Greens are not easy to work with um, especially with the CDU so that's the problem that we've uh, we've seen so I I'm hesitant to make any predictions uh, on this front uh, I yeah. think it's very tricky um, very very hard to do so are, are we almost getting to a, a little bit of a, a shift here in terms of who is potentially seen as kind of the 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 person at the front of the European Union, I mean, Emmanuel Macron mm -hmm. maybe taking that role as Angela Merkel starts to head towards the end of her time as chancellor, Joao? That's a really good point. I, I think this is the end of, of Angela Merkel's, um, the beginning of the end, I say to quote Churchill. Um, it's the beginning of the end of Angela Merkel's leadership. Mm -hmm. um, I'm very hesitant to say that Macron will take the mantle. Uh, very hesitant. I think French, uh, French presidents have a peak that... Uh, tends to last very little. And, and I think we already see the beginnings of, of some uh, unrest in France that I'm not sure how long his um, sort of moral authority will carry him. Um, but but I, I think um, it's not clear who's going to succeed her. I, I just don't know. Uh, I, that I, I can't see that far into the future. Um, I'm just hesitant to say it would be Macron. It might be somebody else in Germany. It could be Martin Schulz. I don't know. Right. Um, but, but it is the beginning of the end for Angela Merkel, for sure. Psyche? Yes, I think so, too. I think what's clear, though, is that both Macron and uh, Merkel realize that uh, they need each other to some extent, you know, so given their mandates and their situations for different reasons. I mean, Macron is new, and, um, you know, he wants to get a lot of things done, but comes from a totally different background and, uh, you know, has uh, shaken up the French system. And Merkel, while she has continued her winning streak, it's uh, considerably weakened. And Germany and France will find ways to, I think, uh, bond. And a lot of that will determine also the future of the EU and the future of the succession at the EU level, if you will. 844-942-7866 is the number to give us a call if you'd like to join in with your comments or your questions. 844-942-7866. Or if you'd like, send us a comment via Twitter, either at BizRadio111 or my Twitter account, which is at DanLoney21. You mentioned briefly, Joao, about immigration being a, a, mm -hmm. an issue that obviously still is is one that draws a lot Very of attention. Well. Yeah. Security is one that obviously draws a lot of attention as well. Fine. And it's so it's not just what Angela Merkel is going to be looking at. It is what 
what every country in Europe is looking at right now, those two elements and how you kind of manage them, not only within Germany, but within the entire continent of Europe. I agree completely. And, and I think Germany is just um, the happy center of this because it is the most successful economy. It's a very large country. It is a country where the population is aging faster than others. And so it's, it's a natural target for, for, for refugees, for immigrants to relocate to. Um, but but I agree, it's the sort of issue that needs to be addressed at European uh, level, and it's 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 just um, not clear that everybody is where Angela Merkel has gone. And I think this is one rare moment which she, I think she followed. You can sort of say followed her heart if you want to be <laughs> maybe slightly cheesy, but she didn't follow her head. She didn't think it through. She didn't think she went farther than what she, what sort of political calculation that she usually thinks through right. would have dictated. I think that the country is not ready to go there. Europe is not ready to go there, and and she paid a price for it to this election. Um, but but it is a, a question. It's going to last. Um, is going to be with us for the next few years. Absolutely, security is number one issue. I think in the minds of Europeans right now, the economy is doing much better. Unemployment is not a concern. It's security. And I think they, they will vote for whever promises that sort of security. Um, Psychic? Yes, stability has been something which is very important uh, to Europeans. And uh, from that perspective, uh, like we're saying, the economy is doing well. Immigration and, uh, you know, we, we should separate immigration security to some extent, but uh, of course there's a linkage and uh, those become important. I think what um, What's going to be critical is for Merkel to, you know, balance uh, an ability to be somewhat open-minded or or send the signal that Germany is open and the EU is open, while at the same time being pragmatic again and saying that the plans we had earlier are not going to work in terms of immigration. And uh, the unfortunate reality is, even on the economic front, it's very hard to sustain if you have a million or so refugees coming in per year. So that's also going to be a little bit difficult. And that idealistic thinking that she may have had at the end, um, I think perhaps won't be realizable in that way. What may work, though, is some sort of signal that, look, we are still somewhat open. We have to adjust to the realities and carry this forward. But um, like Joao was saying, the number one thing is to undermine the security threat in some sense and undermine the, um, or undermine the problems that people perceive that come out of immigration and uh, the related security challenges by essentially usurping the agenda of the far-right forces as well, by taking over um, some of their policies in a milder form um, and um, saying that, listen, we want to be open, we need to be careful, we'll balance the two, we're not anti-immigrant, uh, but we care about security, and that's a tricky balance that they have to achieve. On that front, you know, I think the Jamaica coalition, um, assuming that it comes into existence, will have to spend a lot of time undoubtedly figuring it out. So while the other things are important, I think that mm-hmm. becomes very pressing. What is it in your mind, uh, Syked, about that Jamaica coalition that, that, that really can carry some weight moving forward? You know, the Jamaica coalition, for me, I mean, I think we mentioned it, the contradictions are the problem, right? right. I think that, uh, you know, particularly the, the FDP doesn't concern me as much, because on the one hand, the FDP may have sent some noises that, you know, yes, you know, they're questioning some aspects of European membership, but fundamentally they're pro-business, you know, and they're socially liberal, but they're pro-business. So on that front, the CDU, CSU, the union, and FDP can find common ground. The Greens are the unpredictable party here and to what extent they will push. Now, the Greens, after it's been some time, they've been able to now um, come back and, and will have a chance to be at the center. So um, I'm hoping that they take some positions that are a bit more measured mm-hmm. 
and um, that will help the situation. Right. Agree on one or two ministerial positions where they won't create too much ruckus, um, and that will carry. But you know, fundamentally, that's a very unstable platform, and the issue becomes if other things happen or incidents happen, for example, then how will people react, right? It's not only yep. about the status quo, it's about all the things that could happen mm-hmm. economically, but also socially and politically. Great to have you both with us. Uh, Joao, great seeing you again. Thanks for thank coming again. in. Appreciate it. Psyche, thank you for your time. Thank you. Enjoyed it. Thank you. All the best. Psyche Chowdhury from the, the Mac Institute here at Wharton School, also an adjunct associate professor of management. Joao Gomes, uh, professor of finance here at Wharton as well. For more insight from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu. Thank you.